Welcome to Women Unfiltered, a podcast empowering women to step into their authentic selves every damn day. I'm Lynn Calloway, an entrepreneur, wife, mother, and a woman in tech. And I'm Brie Griebel, a rescue mom, health and wellness enthusiast, musician, and also a woman in tech. Join us on this journey as we navigate our friendship, identity, and differences and challenge you to do the same. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode two of Women Unfiltered. Welcome. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Glad to be here. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. We hope that your day is off to a great start and that you are out there making the best of it. Uh, today, we're going to discuss mental health. Kind of some some deep topics there, but definitely worthwhile. Just based off today's climate and what a lot of folks are out there really dealing with, we thought that it will be something that is top of mind and very useful to discuss. But before we start, I just want to say that this content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Always, always seek the advice of a medical professional or another qualified health provider. Hey, Brie. Hello, hello. Yes, we are going to unload some deep, deep topics here. I'm very excited to talk about this because I think it affects us um, in our lives so far, like both of us in different ways and, and similar ways. And, and I'm sure that many of our listeners uh, have some, you know, everybody has a story and I think everybody has like, you can't assume that someone's life has been perfect, you know, just based on how, how they act or um, where they are in life. I think mental health affects people in so many different different ways, ways. Yeah. and mm-hmm. it's and people cope with it differently and so we will definitely get into that but yeah i guess like let's start off with you yeah. lynn and kind of talking about your experience yeah. with it for sure for sure and i mentioned in you know episode one that it was definitely something that my family uh coming up had a lot of issues with and it was one of those things that just wasn't talked about Um, And to be honest, that just, that wasn't just like my experience, like in the African-American community, it is just a taboo topic. And I I don't want to paint our community as like a a generalized uh, monolith, so to speak, but it's just one of those things that we don't really talk about all that often. I'm sure, you know, obviously there are other families that approach it differently, but in my own personal upbringing and experience and those around me, it was just a taboo topic. Actually, I have to agree with that on, in my family too, just coming up with like being raised by divorced parents. One part of my family just kind of hit it all the time. It wasn't talked about. And the other part of my family, it was like easier to talk about it with them. So sure. it definitely varied for sure in my sure. upbringing. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So just basing, basing it off of that and it just being like, something that wasn't really talked about and like almost I would say the feeling of just being shamed. There's a lot of shame there because you're, you're kind of, especially for women, we're kind of seen as needing to have it all or being able to balance it all. And that's just not the case. You know, we're, we're human at the end of the day. And so uh, specifically, like in my community, it was just one of those things where like people didn't really talk about it. Um, and then there's other issues of, you know, distrusting medical advice for 
you know, historical reasons. And, you know, it just, it wasn't something that we really delved into all that much. However, there were definitely some issues there that needed to be dealt with. And because it was kind of, you know, a secret, the family secret, I think some things just did not get addressed like they were supposed to. So my mom, you know, definitely had some severe bouts of of mental health. Uh, I think she's, she's definitely well and uh, in a good place in her life now, but just coming up, it was a lot of responsibility. It was a lot of responsibility. Um, just, just dealing with that as her oldest child. Yeah. I'm my mom's oldest of three. Uh, I have a, a younger brother and a younger sister and we're all like, I think like six, five or six years apart. Each one of us, like I'm like five or six years apart from my brother. And then he's like oh, six wow. years. Of, yeah. He's like six years okay. apart from my sister. So there's a, you know, like this huge age gap there. And I found myself alone a lot growing up. Like I had friends, but like, like I said before in, in episode one, like a lot of folks really didn't know, like, unless you were really, really close with me, like you really didn't know like what I was dealing with at home mm-hmm. and, you know, f- using school as that outlet is almost like you have to put on like this fake show um, right. that, that everything is is okay and everything's perfect. Um, and then you become very defensive and very protective of your family. And that was definitely something that I dealt with. But at an early age, I had to step in and care for her, care for my siblings and making sure that, you know, we, whether or not my mom was able or had the strength to cook that night that we all ate or, you know, there were some times where it would get so bad with her that, you know, she couldn't muster the strength or the the mental capacity to, you know, call out of work. And at a very young age that I was, I was already I'm like already starting to cry because <laughs> it totally hits home, but yeah, continue on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I was very cognizant at a very young age that, okay, well, this is a, this is how she makes money. And I know like if we can weather the storm, she'll eventually be okay you know, going through her episodes, she, she'd eventually be okay. And she'll be able to function and go back to work. How old and were you like generally when all this was kind of happening? I would say my first, the first time I really realized something was wrong. I was probably about five. Okay. Yeah. I was about yeah. five. Um, and yeah, she just, it was like night and day. Like she, she'd be okay. I, I could recognize her. And then there was times where I didn't know who this person was. And if you can just imagine like that environment always changing constantly where, you know, I can (laughs) (laughs) dealing with that. It's like, okay, who am I dealing with this time? And just at a very, at a very young age, having, you know, just looking back at it, I, I, I think it was a superpower for us to, you know, cause you've dealt with some of these things too, Yeah, but to have that, knowledge and to have that wherewithal to to always uh provide a solid foundation for you know your family despite you know whatever your mother or your father is going you know just being a I don't want to say a replacement because like I, I wasn't the mother of my brothers and sisters there were they were my brothers and sisters but just like making sure we were okay Making sure right. we're okay, and then like making who, sure who else was who going else, to? Yeah, who else is going to do that? Because my mom is the is the, I've you know grew up in a single parent home since I was a baby. Like my dad never lived in the house with us. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I know who my father is and I do have a good relationship with my dad, but like he, he wasn't around uh, physically. And so, and then there was a time where my mom had such a bad mental breakdown. She was, she, you know, w- was admitted and we had to stay with my, my grandmother. Now, just to give you some, shed some light on that. My grandmother also had severe mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were, there were times where, you know, growing up, I, I lived in the house with both of them and it was like, just, it was a really chaotic situation, but when things were good, things were good. And, you know, for the most, uh, most of my, my upbringing, although it was chaotic, there were definitely times where I, I was happy and, you know, would like to believe that I was on the path of really building a, a good relationship with my mom and then some other personal things happened that you know I, I really don't want to go into but I, w- I know sorry to interrupt but like I know you had mentioned going to school being an outlet and yeah. you ended up having a teacher at one point that you did like kind of yeah, yeah. In. thank you for reminding me of that I when yeah. I was about in the I was about I don't know how old are you in like the fourth or fifth grade because I don't remember Exactly. Um, I think I was in the fifth grade. I think this was my fifth grade teacher. Okay. And I think I was about, I had to have been, I think fifth grade was maybe like 10, 9, 10. I was thinking that. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. Um, so yeah, and she was, I kind of saw her as almost like a mother figure. Yeah. And it, she was just so approachable and just so... Yeah, they're 10 years old, just to back check. They are. Yeah. <laughs> fifth grade, I, knew was, I knew it was something like that. Was it another, was it a black woman that was a teacher? Yeah, she, okay, she, okay. she, she was an African-American um, woman and she was, and I think that added that layer that like she was a mother figure because obviously I come from a, you know, African-American mom. So I kind of mm-hmm. saw her, saw her as that. And she was very approachable. Uh, she was someone that I could, I felt that I could talk to. She was just funny. She was just like the, she was, you know, those cool teachers, like right, you've, right. Sure you've had one of those teachers is just like cool. Like everyone mm-hmm. wants to be in that, that teacher's class. That's, that's really what she was. And uh, this is one of like their earlier episodes uh, with my mom that she had like a, a, a mental breakdown and I did not know what to do. And at the time, my grandmother was also um, going through her stuff. And I I just felt like I was alone. And I reached out to the teacher. I actually wrote a letter and just explaining like, something's not right with my mom. I'm I'm not really sure. I think she's sick. Um, And just really, I don't remember the exact words, but the, the intent was really to like talk to someone. Like my first, I guess it was my first time reaching out to someone about what I was going through with my parent, obviously, and also what I was going through inside myself, like personally. Yeah. I handed the letter to her and then I kind of like walked away and then like, I didn't hear anything. And then like that, I feel like that following morning, I got called to the office and, um, actually the, the woman that called me to the office was a friend of my grandmother's. Uh, well, she was, she, I'm sorry. She was the, she was the daughter-in-law to my, my grandmother's best friend. She, I, I walked in and I was like, am I in trouble? Cause this, this woman was like, she's like the person that you go to when you were in trouble. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm like, am I in trouble? And she's like, 
uh, I got the letter that you wrote to your teacher and don't you know that they, that, you know, the state could take you away from your mom if they knew that, you know, this was going on. Like, you know, you don't, you don't do that. You don't like, she scolded me. She scolded me so bad about, you know, reaching out. And from that moment on, I never talked about it. It was just, it was almost like from that point, I always thought I get in trouble, whatever that, whatever that meant. Mm -hmm. I kind of took that as a, a negative thing, a negative connotation to actually talk about it. Right. And I think, again, like, like I mentioned before, like, you know, in our, in our community, African-American community, it's just something we don't talk about for, you know, different reasons. And that being, and that being one of them, the authorities, like, uh, and what, and what does that mean? You know, with someone coming to your home and, and snatch you away from your kids and, you know, it not being dealt with for more of a therapeutic, more of a holistic way, but Right. more like you know punitive so to speak mm-hmm. and yeah I never talked about it after that and I didn't I was my, my grandmother didn't say anything so I'm I would like to think that she never mentioned it to my grandmother my mom never said anything uh, but yeah at that point I just kind of bought everything on the inside and just focused on school and and that's you know I, I like to say that all the time when people ask me you know growing up like how did you cope like I focused on the things that were in my control. I focused on the things that that I could change. And like I said before, school was that. You know, going to I look forward to going to school. I look forward to being there with my friends and talking with my friends because it was it was you know, I was escaping from this um, you know, chaotic situation. Yeah. Uh so yeah, that that has always been my thing. It's just to to focus on those things within my control. So, um right. Yeah, it was, it was tough. Uh, I, so I, I wanted to, I wanted to add that, you know, my grandmother passed away in the, in the nineties and I, I mentioned it in episode one, but my mother, and my grandmother were, were very close, but my grandmother actually went into, she was admitted into a psychiatric ward and she did not return home. Uh, she actually passed away there. Um, and shortly after the the, the place, uh, I don't know. I, there were a lot of um, a lot of concerns with this place with 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 abuse, and they they had had horrible reviews. And I'm not really sure if that if my grandmother's death or other things were really the the catalyst to them shutting down. But eventually they shut down. Um, How old was she? She was 54. Oh wow! Yeah, she was 54. So young. Yeah. Um, and we still don't know what happened that night, what happened with her. Just got a call from, by that time when my mother uh, got the call, she was already at the hospital. They had already transported her to the hospital. And by the time my mom and my aunts got there, she was already gone. But uh, yeah. Is there and, a cause of death, like specifically that you guys? Uh, they did, they, well, from my understanding, because I remember there being talks about them doing an autopsy, and right. I was told that they did not, but on her death certificate, it says, I believe it was a blood clot. It okay. was something, a blood clot to the heart or something like that. So we're not really sure if it was okay. just like, you know, if it was one of those things with medication, if it was just something that was going to, like a natural cause or whatever, we're not really sure because... They, from my understanding, they wanted to dig a little deeper, but my family was like, no. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, very interesting. And so that we didn't do that. But 
yeah, it was, it was hard. It was hard right. because now if you think about it, that happens. And then, you know, my mom is still going through her stuff and she, her witnessing her mom, you know, passing away in it's a facility that is, yeah, there's more, it's not only more triggers, but now it's like, now I definitely don't want to go get help. Right. <laughs> you know, cause like, right. would that be my fate? You know? So yeah, so many things that like, as a kid, not having the resources, not having a community to like, to lean on go to and speak out or you know, talk about it because the time you did try it kind of came back in your face backfire yeah for sure yeah and like you're so young that you have and you don't naive like all of the above like you're you're trying to process and experience all these things and grow up so fast mm-hmm. because of it because you're also trying to help out the family and yeah but I will say, you know, and and I touched on this before, but it makes us very unique individuals mm-hmm. as adults because I don't want to say like we've seen it all, but you just you just gain this empathy. Yep. You know. Treat you just, others how you want to be yeah, treated. Yeah, yeah. You just you you have this you you have this set of skills that, you know, you you it's just something you can't you it's just innate you know, mm-hmm. to just show empathy for those who are, you know, coming from different places and being able to adapt. That's a big one to oh, ever changing, yeah. uh, ever changing environment. Right. Um, right. so I, I like to look at it as that. that yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like at any points growing up, you acted out because of these things that you were internalizing or yeah yeah for <laughs> sure I've, I've always been very opinionated um i'm just that's just i think i like to think i get it from my father because he's oh god <laughs> um <laughs> uh so i have i've always i've always been very opinionated it would get me in trouble a lot a lot just like speaking out and I mean, there were, and there were times where, and I will say this, there was, we, my family, they would say, you're talking back. Like you're being like, right. you're being sassy, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I think about the things that I would say, it made total sense. So I don't know if it was a situation where it was just something where the adults just didn't want to think about it or, but it made total sense. It was, it was typically around, you know, money and making sure that my folks were paying their bills and, and it's kind of like you stay in a child's place sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was coming from a place of, well, you know, when this happens, I'm the one that's going to have, have to, you know, kind of step in and be the caretaker. So what are these preventative things that we can kind of think about early on again, at a very early age, already thinking like that, you know? Right. Right. So I would say that um, I I wasn't a bad kid. Um, like you weren't considered like a troublemaker in school or no, anything. No, like- I, I I wasn't considered a troublemaker. I, I did get in my fair share, share of fights uh, for sure, uh, but it was typically mainly around defending myself and yeah. being protective of you know my situation, whether it was my friends or my my folks, because you know there were some folks that were aware of 
what was going on at home and, you know, kind of took that and ran with it. And that's when you have rumors of, oh, you know, she's crazy or she's, you know, she's from the crazy family, that sort of thing. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, and having to face that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would say probably around eighth grade, I really came into my my own and and definitely thrived uh, in in high school and and I would like to say was a very good student, but it was it was hard coming up for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I'll kind of share a little bit. Being from a small small town in Wisconsin, um, well, I actually I was born in Florida and then moved kind of all over the place. Uh, my dad is in the Air Force, so we moved around a bit and ended up in Wisconsin, where both my parents were from. But my parents divorced when I was around six years old. And I remember as a kid, I, I remember specific arguments, which is really weird to kind of have those flashbacks of like at such a young age. I mean, I was probably, yeah, five when I started to remember like certain arguments or certain things that I had done as as a kid um, and just experiencing like having your parents like just hate each other, honestly. And that's what you're growing up with on a daily basis and not sure what's going on. And it's like, it's normal though to you at the same Mm -hmm. time. And so I have flashbacks of that, like when we lived in, in New Mexico a bit and, and, and then we landed, yeah, in Wisconsin and my mom initially, she just got custody. I think it was just very common for moms to just automatically get custody of the kids because, Mm -hmm. um, they are the caretakers and, um, dads, I don't think were always looked at as, um being good like caretakers and and so and my dad is a pilot too he went from the air force and then became a pilot and and so he was gone a lot so we stayed with my mom and my mom very very smart woman got her got her master's I think it was in public health or something of that sort like just a very smart very beautiful woman like growing up I know she has she has dealt with her fair share of like her parents being divorced as well. Her dad, I don't remember my grandpa, her dad, um, my mom's dad much at all. I think he passed away when I was just a baby. Mm. And I think that is what triggered her, that her like <laughs> downfall um, or like triggered just all of the mental health I don't want to say issues because it's like, yes, it's, yes, it's an issue, but condition, I guess. For sure, for sure. Mental health, like conditions and just heard the choices that she made thereafter. Um, And so my grandpa, I believe he had passed away from um, cancer. He was a big drinker, big smoker. And, and yeah, so he passed when I was, I was young. And so I don't remember that, but um I remember being really little and being like in my mom's care then at like six, starting to find like, like you had mentioned where you see your mom one moment and then like the next moment, you don't know who the person is that you're living Mm -hmm. in a house with. And to the point where uh, she would constantly 
I remember the cops coming over so many times because she thought that like people were out to get us, like people were in our backyard or somebody Mm -hmm. was in our house or we were driving and someone was following us. Like I remember these specific terrifying moments as a child that like all of a sudden the cops are in our house and telling me to get out of bed so that they can search our place. And, and um, my mom just like saying like, Oh, there's somebody, there's somebody outside or there's somebody. um, And I remember one time we were driving like on these back, like country roads coming home from somewhere. I don't remember that specifically, but, but yeah, we were driving and she's like, somebody, somebody's following us. And she would get my brother and I like worked up because she would have us believing then that that somebody is like truly following us and going to get us and we would pull into like someone's driveway and wait there while whoever was following us would disappear Mm -hmm. and i think i don't know if this was a combination of like her being bipolar because she was diagnosed with uh with being bipolar she does refuse to believe it. And so she does not uh, get the care and like medication that she needs to help her cope with that condition. Um, but I think a lot of that stems from her alcoholism. And she is and has been an alcoholic, honestly, ever since I can remember. I would go through her closet when she would go out and get groceries and I would find bottles of alcohol and I was maybe seven or eight at this time. I mean, it was kind of like for a few years there, I would, wherever we were living at the time, because she really couldn't like stay in any one place for, for a long period of time either. But, but yeah, I would find these bottles and I just knew that that was what was making her change like her moods change and so I would literally at this age grab the bottle of alcohol I would pour it down the sink and I would fill it back up to the place that it was at with water and then I would put it back in the spot in the closet and I would also if she was like passed out in the living room I would go through her purse and I would find the cigarettes and I hated cigarettes I hated everything that made her change or like uh, just, I hated so much. I was, I was so angry because I just wanted a mom and she, I think she tried her best, but she wasn't taking care of herself first to really mm-hmm. be there for my brother and I. And so I have one sibling and we're about a year, year and a, like a, a year and four months apart, year and mm-hmm. five months apart. Yeah, I would take the cigarettes out of her purse. I would rip them in half. I would put them in the sink and I'd run water on them and I'd leave them there. And she would then get upset with me, obviously, when she found them. But I didn't care because I knew I was doing something good for her. And that was like me. That was how I was trying to speak out. And I wasn't talking to really anybody else about it because I didn't, you know, really, really know who. And my dad, like being gone a lot. Um, I think there were times where I tried to tell like my, my grandparents and I, and it's not like this condition of my mom's was this like a secret to the family Mm. or like to her mom or like my mom's like brothers and sisters, this wasn't um, a secret by any means. And I think like they multiple times tried to get her help and tried to um, 
really tried to like look out for the kids, my brother and I, um, and she just like never made the effort for herself. So here I am at 30 years old and I don't have a relationship with my mom because she still continues to, um, manipulate and like lie to herself constantly. Cause at this point she's not even lying to anyone else. It's just constantly lying to herself. And, um, I talked about how she, uh, had gotten her masters, but she's thrown that all away because mm. she has like stolen drugs, like prescription drugs. And she'll mix that with, with alcohol and drink. And there was one summer in college then, oh, well, actually I have to kind of rewind a bit. So <laughs> there's just so many, mm-hmm. so many crazy like, where do you stories. start? Yeah. Where do you start stopping <laughs> it? Yeah. Um, I remember um, there's one time as a kid where like I got into trouble doing something like my mom just kind of like took her anger out on me for whatever reason. I think it was because I went into the fridge and I took a drink of like what I thought was a cup of juice in there. Mm. And it was a rum, uh, I think it was rum and Coke. Mm. And I knew that that like, it like tasted so off. I was, oh, maybe seven or eight, eight at that time. I just, I was like, I got mad at her and I poured it out and she got mad at me and she took my brother and she left me like in the apartment that we were in at the time. And she went somewhere. I have no idea where she went, but I knew that my bike was down in the basement at this apartment. I went, I I got out of the apartment and I like went down into the basement and I got my mountain bike and I dragged it up however many stairs 24 stairs is that how like a normal flight of stairs concrete stairs like dragged my mountain bike up and biked across town I had actually grabbed a bottle cap from a I don't know if it was a beer or like liquor or something like I had a cap it was like it was proof it was proof that she was drinking and it was proof that I could just show someone and so I biked across town by myself as like an eight-year-old and yeah I biked over to my grandma and grandpa's my dad was not home but I don't remember him being home at least and so I showed I remember like I showed my grandma the bottle cap and I was like see like she is drinking and it's not like she didn't believe me but it was just I just finally showed somebody kind of like proof at least what I thought was proof and I don't know how much longer it was, but my mom realized that I was not at the apartment. Like she came back and I wasn't there. And so her first instinct was to, I think, find me at like my, my grandma's. And I, I don't think my grandma really knew how to handle it or like what, what to do. It wasn't her mom. It was my dad's mom. And so, um, and my parents never talked to each other. Like after their divorce, it, it they would do whatever it took to avoid one another and never speak to each other again. And that put my brother and I really in the middle of everything, trying to navigate uh, like our parents' divorce because they just couldn't be cordial. Was there ever, ever um, a point where you guys, you know, wanted... Or was there ever the option for you guys to live with your father? Like, was 
Was there a so, discussion on that? Yeah, I think after like all of these continuous like issues kept happening, like there was a time where we were at a work party, a work function that my mom was at. My mom was an avid runner, like ran marathons and just a really driven individual when she wanted to be. And she still is, uh, I think. She just is more of like a functioning alcoholic and a very manipulative human being. And so um, so we were at this work function and like it was like a post snow fun run party or something, whatever, you know, Wisconsin, it's snowing like all the time. So it was like this big party at the Grand Geneva. And we, we knew that my, like our mom had been drinking because I think there was just one point where we didn't really know where she was at the party, but she was like out of it when we did see her. And so we went and sat in like this waiting area that was outside of the ballroom. And there was a payphone there. And I remembered the commercials, the 1-800-C-O-L-L-E-C-T, 1-800-COLLECT commercials. Mm -hmm. I think that's like the like commercials that had Carrot Top and everything. But I remembered those commercials and I was like, okay, like I can call 1-800-COLLECT and call like back home because this was what maybe like 1998 99 at that point and so I called 1-800-COLLECT and I remember the operator was like what is your area code and I gave them my zip code because I had no idea what an area code was but eventually got that sorted out and got them to connect with the 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 landline the the house phone um at the lake that's what like we grew up on a, a on a lake at like my dad's and my grandparents there. So we've always called it the lake home. So if I refer to the lake home, that's, that's what I'm talking about. So called the lake house. And I don't remember if it was my dad or my grandpa, grandma who had answered, but someone answered and we explained the situation like to them. And there was a lady from my mom, like from the party that I think ended up finding us and she was able to drive us to the lake house and we were safe and all that stuff. But it just was like numerous memories like that, that I have of not having a normal childhood by any means. Like (laughs) I was supposed to be having fun with friends and I just kept getting like moved around. And there is some resentment that I hold because I just feel like I should have been allowed to be a kid and Mm -hmm. I had to like grow up in a different way and yeah and like all this responsibility that I don't think was ever like intended to fall on like the kids it just it happened and it makes me mindful like when I do have kids someday that like what I want to do differently. (laughs) What I, you know, I, I, I think if it was something that my mom could easily control, she would, but I think it is a disease Mm -hmm. and, or like a, just a condition that she doesn't have the tools or hasn't found the path that helps her navigate it. And, and so, yeah, a lot of this shit happened. And how would you say like you coped around that time? Well, what ended up changing was my dad did get custody of my brother and I. I think we were about 10 or I was about 10. My brother was 11. And so then it was growing up with my dad and my brother. And so I became a tomboy very quickly. My grandparents were definitely in the picture. My my mom's mom, 
So that grandmother and then my dad's mom were just always the, uh, like my mother figures at that point. They were the ones that were really just trying to like guide me and point us in the, the right direction. And coping with all that, similar to you, I got very involved with school um, and found like music. And so that's where my passion for music and that was the biggest outlet for me. I did everything and anything I could with music and it meant so much to me and more than just, oh, I'm actually kind of good at this. Like <laughs> it, it was, it, it kept me sane. Yeah. But at the same time, like I experienced, um, like I tried to be the perfect child because I felt like I could never live up to, I think my dad just was like, he wanted the best for my brother and I, and he was really hard on me because he saw a lot of potential in me, but it kind of made me feel like I was never good enough <laughs> growing yeah, up. Sure. Like I was almost like a straight A student. I would put a lot of effort into getting A's, but as I got older and still didn't have like a true mom figure and, and, and still at that point, like my brother and I would have weekends with my mom or, or we might get to go to a Burger King and eat with her uh, every other weekend. That was or to the library. Like we could have a couple hours of time with her at a library. That's that was my relationship then yeah, with my mom that. afterwards. And I think that began to affect me more as I got older in high school and with my dad being so protective, I felt like I was and my mom again, like being manipulative, she would tell me everything like I wanted to hear, but she wasn't trying to necessarily be a mom to me. It was more like she was just trying to pin me against my dad. And, and so I just was like, I felt so brainwashed as a kid. And I, I, that's why I just continued to like dive into um, music and be involved in school stuff. But there was a time actually in school where a, situa a situation happened and I brought it up to like the guidance counselor. When I went home, it was like I got I got in trouble for like speaking out oh. for, for saying something. And how did it get back to your folks? I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming that the school uh, must have contacted them or something. Yeah. And it wasn't actually involving my mom, but I, yeah, it was just involving like a few, a few other situations that I guess my goal, like my goal right now with this is to really just, I don't want to make my parents out to, to be bad people. That no, is no way. Right. Like, but at the end of the day, your experience is your experience. Yeah. It is right. It is. And I have, I do have a great relationship with my dad now. And, you know, we've actually talked about this stuff recently. And, and he told me too, that it was like, he saw a lot of potential in me and that he, that's why he was so hard. And he understands that it, it came off as being very controlling and it's like he was trying to do the best that he could as yeah. a single parent and trying to raise his kids and being gone like having a very demanding job and so he was gone a lot and so i don't i don't blame him because 
I don't know what I would have done, could have, would have yeah, done that differently. Situation. Yeah, for sure. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, when I have kids down the road, I'm sure karma will come back and bite me for some of the things that I um, <laughs> had put my, my dad through too, because I did start to kind of act out a little bit as I got older. I was like 17 and dating a, a guy and I... I was turning 18. I was almost going to college at this point. I was a senior, senior in high school. And I was like, just give me some more freedom. All my friends are doing these things. I still had never drank. I had never done drugs. I was never into that stuff. And I wasn't going to be because of how my mom like was. Yeah. It just scared me to ever even try that stuff. And I didn't want to be like her. And so there was one night where I snuck out to go to a movie with my boyfriend and it was like 10 p.m. I snuck out of my window and my grandma was actually staying. My dad's mom was staying with us at that time. And yeah, so I just went to a movie (laughs) and I literally like didn't do anything else, but just went to the movie and then I came home and I climbed up the ladder And I went into bed or I was going to bed and my grandma was in my bed because she had woken up and saw that I wasn't in bed. And so I probably gave her a heart attack. And it's one of those moments that I will forever (laughs) regret because I hurt her. And that was never the intention. And she had always been there for my brother and I. And I remember we were just like crying together because I think she understood, you know, she was just trying to look out for my brother and I, and I just gave, like, I, she was like, what if something could have happened to you? And like, she didn't know, she didn't know where I was and it's, it breaks my heart. So yeah. I think that, imagining the optics of that, like yeah. climbing into your window and your grandmother's there. Like, how do you explain that? I was like, I went to a movie, (laughs) but like I was terrified because I never really got in trouble again, just like wanted, I, I don't even know why I wasn't allowed to go out that night. Again, it was, I think just something ridiculous that my dad, my dad had like, I, I don't know. I just started acting out. Oh, there was another, another story that I had. I cannot think of it right now, but, but yeah, so I just, I tried to be a good kid. Like I worked, I worked ever since, you know, could have a job and I really paid for all the stuff that I had. My dad was not great with money. And so it's not like we were just handed things. If I wanted a cell phone, I had to buy my own cell phone. If I wanted gym shoes like I had to get my own gym shoes and wanted my own car like I bought my own car it was a $1,500 Nissan 200SX and uh died a couple years later but I that was my first purchase and and so yeah I just like I really I use more responsibility at a very right right so that is like one thing I'm definitely thankful for that Mm -hmm. like I learned kind of things of like what not to do I just always have held on to, I don't know, like I don't respect my, I don't respect my mom and it sucks that I like think that way. And I wish that I had a relationship with my mom that like, I hear about all these other girls. Mm -hmm. They're just so close with their moms and mother, mother's day rolls around and people are like, be grateful that like you have a mom. And I'm like, 
my situation was so much different than yours. yours yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I never felt like I was more important than alcohol. I, I definitely can relate to you on that because I don't I don't have a close relationship with my mom. And it's a very complex situation when it's a complex situation and it's a very unique relationship for kids who come from parents who have men- mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. My mother was diagnosed with schizoaffective, which is kind of like a combination between like schizophrenia and bipolar. Okay. Uh, my grandmother was diagnosed with bipolar and it's just such a complicated situation when you are growing up mothering your mother yeah, you know, and having to make those decisions. And then it's like, when you get older, it's like, you know, you're trying to have those relations. You're trying to have that relationship with your mom, like a, a traditional mother daughter relationship, but there's just so much trauma there that just has never been like unpacked and dealt yeah. with. And then a lot in my case where, you know, my mom doesn't really take responsibility mm-hmm. for a lot of things. And it's like in her world, things were normal and like, no, nothing right. about the situation was normal. <laughs> like not at all. And just, you know, and maybe it's just like, you know, I don't, I look, I can't speak for her, you know? Right. Uh, but I can only speak for how, I felt and how it affected me. And then, you know, now that I'm a mom, you know, to a son and I think I'm very cognizant of that, of that, you know, you have to be when you have, you know, mental illnesses and these conditions, like you said, because I, I, and I agree, I don't, I don't see them as issues. I think they need to be talked about as it shouldn't be as as medical, as a a medical condition, because that's what they are. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And you know, I'm very cognizant of that with my relationship with my son, my and my child, uh, because I, I I just know how much that affected me and the trauma. Uh, and one thing that I, I like to do with him, even as young as two, which may sound crazy to some parents, but like I just allow, I like to allow him to have his his voice, mm-hmm. uh, wh- whether he knows what I'm saying or not. You know, if even if it's something so simple as like, you know, what do you want for breakfast? You know, mm-hmm. just like allowing him to think, you know, make and allow, allowing him to make choices from him, himself because I wasn't allowed to. It was mm-hmm. pretty much my upbringing was dictate dictated by whether or not my mom was healthy, mm-hmm. whether or not she was OK. You know, when she was okay, she was okay. But when she wasn't, she wasn't. And that could last, you know, for weeks, for months, you know, of her just, you know, laying in bed or not cooking, not going to, you know, not just checking completely out, not going to work. Hallucinations was also a big thing. Um, You know, it was something's on the roof or, you know, do you hear that? And obviously, you know, we didn't hear any of it. So it was like, you know, you don't want to be like, you know, you're, you're hallucinating, you're crazy because sometimes I think, well, in her, in her brain, maybe she is hearing something. Right. You know, I can't see it or hear it, but like, maybe there is something there, you know, whether there's a chemical imbalance or whatever's going on in her, her mind, but society just doesn't see it that way. And they're not going to see it that way until we start to have some very complicated very much needed conversations around the situation yeah but yeah it just you know with her condition it was dealt with by, with medication not very much therapy at all uh, and because we were poor I think my mom 
the most she made <laughs> coming up being a bus driver was like 14,000 a year. Yeah. Raising, yeah. Raising three kids without a second parent. It's like, you know, you can't afford, and then healthcare was just God awful. So, mm-hmm. uh, with our plan, so she couldn't afford like the best, you know, to go to the best health providers that were out there to get the therapy that she needed. I mean, it was for her, it was hard just to pay the copay, you know, yep. that was a big thing. Like I don't have the $20 to pay for the copay. So that pretty much limited her as well as my grandmother, by the way, uh, to the state run facilities, which are just yep. ask you like five or six questions, give you the medication and you're like on your way. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's better than nothing, but you know, I, I think that, had that had her situation and my grandmother's situation if they were you know if they had more resources uh and and more insight on how to deal with these situations um yeah you know we we would have been better off but you know you can't really cry over spill milk and it it is what it is but I I agree with you in in terms of you know longing for those relation that relationship with your mom Mm-hmm. You know, like when I was having my, my son, you know, I wanted her to, to call and I wanted her to, and she did call, but it wasn't, it just wasn't, the conversations were just very empty. It wasn't that genuine bond, you know, that, you know, I'm, I'm genuinely invested in your well being. You know, I want to be there every step of the way. You know, I want to come to your graduation. I want to do all the, it was just never that. It was yeah. never that. It was always Typically when we were in a good place, it was always around what, you know, I could do for her, mm-hmm. you know? You yes. Know? Yep. It wasn't. Exactly. It wasn't. I, I feel that. So. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I, it, it is definitely a um, topic that needs to be discussed more. So. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, even after high school and into adulthood, I can see how it has shaped how I respond to situations mm-hmm. or how mm-hmm. I internalize anger sometimes um, mm-hmm. if I'm frustrated with something or how I long to seek acceptance from pretty much everyone, at least in my uh, in my situation, because I never felt truly accepted or like fully loved by the two people that I felt mm-hmm. like were supposed to as mm-hmm. a kid. And so into my adulthood again it kind of went into like treating others how I wanted to be treated so I was overly nice in trying to seek acceptance because at home it was clusterfuck so I I I just wanted and I didn't know what other people's stories were too so I wasn't going to be mean to people because of the clothes that they wore or like, like we shopped at Goodwill we went to secondhand stores we got handouts from churches because when my mom had custody And I don't even know what she was really doing for a living then because I don't think she could hold a job. And yeah, and then to college, I really was just, I overly like got myself into, like I took all the credits, like all the classes that I could take. Like I remember one semester I had three jobs, was in two student organizations and had 18 credits uh, in my junior year. And I got straight A's because being really, really busy keeps me very focused. Mm-hmm. And and I excel with like a lot of pressure on me 
normally, but sometimes like you're going to crack at a certain point. Mm -hmm. That's not sustainable, but it was like my way of internalizing and like dealing with my mom being arrested for DUIs multiple times. I, she was watching my cat that like we had growing up. And I remember being called by the Humane Society and saying, Hey, are you the owner of this cat? Because my mom decided to like give them my number finally because my mom god it was just like one of those many episodes that she was going through where Mm -hmm. she just like ended up giving my cat away saying please put this animal down and and there was literally no reason to put her down I don't know I can't even like I feel like my stories aren't making sense but this is how my childhood like growing up has been (laughs) that it didn't make sense yeah (laughs) that's the whole you know that you were still able to thrive in that situation and come back from that and be uh, a better woman for it um and I hope I I think I think that you are I think Uh, you're you think that you're awesome Brie um and just listening to your story and thinking about you know the things that even I've gone through um we're strong women and that's what you know we want to do with this podcast is definitely promote that with our listeners um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, just because, you know, that may have been your situation uh, doesn't mean that, you know, that is the end result that it, that your story, that your story ends there. Right. Um, And it is something that I am also, I don't know if this thought ever crosses your mind, but it's like, well, is that going to happen to me? Like, like it runs in your, like your mom's mom and your mom, like, Mm -hmm. You know, how do we know if it's happening to us? Like what? Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, there are periods where I'm just not having a good day and it's like, oh, like, what is this? You know, is, mm-hmm. you know, is it, you know, and I, I just try to be honest. I try to stay in tune with myself more often than, than not. Yep. Um, just to do like a mental check-in. Like, how do you feel today? You know, you know, and just listen to your body. You know, yep. I'm, I'm, I'm big on taking guiltless breaks meaning mm-hmm. i'm not gonna feel guilty about just sitting this one out today yeah and i agree like just staying on the go and being busy it, it kind of takes your mind off of you know the mess that is going on sometimes but it's also good to not do anything to just right. relax you right. know um and not to always be on the go i um, mean i think i think with women like us who come from you know, these broken homes, essentially, um, with with mentally ill mothers, we sometimes always want to be in control of uh, our, of our situation. Time. All the time. All the time. That's <laughs> something, yes, I have definitely become more aware about myself is trying to let go of that control. Yes, yes. It's been yes. really hard really hard for me to do Same because here. I like to foresee what an outcome is going to be like. So being mm-hmm. in COVID, like not being able to plan things yeah. as I normally would, you know, it's, I've had to learn how to pivot and Matt, my partner, Matt is like, he really helps balance me because he is a lot more laid back than I am. <laughs> And I am lucky that, you know, he is the one that I'm going through with, like, all of this. Like, we've been together for almost seven years now. And 
knew each other before that, like even in, in high school, but he just is non-judgmental towards what I've been through. He understands. It requires communication from mm-hmm. both parties. We're not perfect. We don't claim to have the most perfect relationship, but what we have works and it makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And and I think communicating, like you said, talking more about it will help you in the long run. It's going to be uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. it is really uncomfortable for me at times to be like, like, if I get an email from my mom and it's just like her kind of rambling before I shut off communication with my mom completely, which was about like three years ago, I had constant anxiety mm-hmm. because she was just constantly trying to manipulate me into doing something for the betterment of her. It wasn't Mm. really like looking out for me. And it was, I just knew that she wasn't taking care of herself and doing the things that she needed to do to get better. And it was really affecting me. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to cut yourself off from people. Yes. They need to like hit rock bottom in order to get out of what they're going through. And like, I, I, you know, I think everybody's situation is different and so maybe you choose to not cut yourself off completely from somebody but but for right now that has been what has worked for me I think it has given me the most peace of mind I've had in like Mm -hmm. a few years but at the same time I always think of like oh what if I get that call that like Mm -hmm. she has drank herself to death her Mm -hmm. liver has failed or who knows what else because I honestly don't know um and that is guilt that I like do hold on to. And I have talked to counselors. I've talked to like life coaches too. And I haven't found anybody that really hits home yet. There's a few podcasts out there that I've listened to really good. Just people who talk about different situations that have given me some tools to kind of learn to cope with what I've gone through. I would love to someday have a better relationship with my mom. And I'm not sure exactly how to go about that. And that's okay. We're not going to have all the answers. And that's, again, like something going back to like, letting go of having that control, because Mm -hmm. for so long, I thought I could fix her. Yeah, I thought that I could make things better. And it really just was taking over my life. And in order for me to move on and and really dive into things that I love fully, um, and commit, I had to cut her off, like I had to block her number. And I'll occasionally get emails from her and that's fine. But either I'll choose to look at them or I won't look at them. Kind of just comes down to that. And it's really about being in control of your your life and your situations. Yeah. Uh, and building these healthy boundaries around, yes. around you. Um, and, you know, it takes me back to like when I was when, when I when I was young, you know, thinking about those things that I have control over. And I, the one thing that you have control over is your current situation in terms of making the best decisions and building these healthy boundaries. You, you can't dictate your mom's life. Right. I can't, I can't dictate my mom's life. Like you, you don't have control over that situation, you know? And, you know, I, I think about it all the time. I'm like, you know, she was here 23 years on earth before I was even born. You know, she's, She's been trying to figure this thing out and, you know, she's going to have to change when she's ready to. Right, um, right. And you can't, you can't force that on someone. And, you know, so I, I just try to look at it that way. And I think you, you, um, 
brought up a good point. You know, it's not going to be everyone's situation. Right. It's just not. And you have to figure out the right mix for you and what works for you. Um, and I, I definitely encourage that yeah. for sure. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think one more thing to, to note is that in something that I'd like to revisit with my mom at some point is if she chooses to get the help that she needs, I will be there to support her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I think after so many times of people trying to help her, I'm not, I'm not sure what, yeah, what those answers are. I wish it was as simple as her being able to see what I see in her. But I don't know if I'll ever be able to look at her as like a true mother figure because it's just so past that at this point. Like she is my mom. She is. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love to build a better relationship with her if she, you know, is taking care of herself now and able to make like decision like normal i don't know like now you say normal like normal decisions like there is a healthy 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 yes that is a good um good way to put it yeah healthy decisions and yes have those healthy boundaries because i think it's one of those things where it's like if i open the door like the floodgates will open and all that anxiety will kind of come pouring back so i'm hoping to at some point like on this podcast we can have a psychologist or professional health uh, yeah. or a, a mental health professional come and speak on on some of these topics and and really give some steps to maybe how how we can um, transform deal with this yeah yeah, yeah. especially especially now oh, yeah. Um, yeah so yeah. I, I just try my best to stay in the current time and just try to take care of today right um, and that's that's really all you could do. Right. And don't be afraid to reach out to people. I know like Lynn, you and I have both had our experiences as kids where we've kind of gotten some pushback at times. And I, I think that the times have changed a lot and people mm-hmm. are more open to talking about these things. And just because you may not have anybody in your family to talk to does not mean that there aren't support groups out there. There are support groups. There are yeah, mental health professionals. Like talk to a friend, talk to your partner, mm-hmm. like be open with your communication and stop internal internalizing everything because it really is just yes. going to come out or or you're just going to suffer um, if you if you do internalize it and you don't have the tools to really cope or at least understand your feelings. Mm-hmm. Because maybe maybe some people have never, like they're listening to this and they have never thought about how their childhood has impacted them in ways yeah. as an adult and maybe how they lead teams or maybe how they... Um, how they raise their own children. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, how you raise your own children, maybe how you treat others. Like they're, like, everything that you grew up with has in some way shaped who you are today and just being mindful of that and understanding like everyone has a story don't assume you know don't assume that you know everything about someone 
Um, I think as a society, we do a lot of assuming because it's just easy to do. And people put on fronts on social media. They, you know, you've got everyone's highlight reels. And, you know, I understand not sharing every single little detail of every moment of your life on social media. I understand people that, that choose to be more private and people that choose to share. And again, I think it comes down to how they cope. And so, stop bashing each other like for Mm -hmm. choosing to do what they want to do if you don't want to listen to somebody talk about maybe their situations their obstacles that they're overcoming in life it's okay you don't have to listen no one's forcing you but just find your way find what works for you find what inspires you find what helps you set goals and work past obstacles that you're faced with and and try You know, try your best to build relationships with those that you are closest with, that you love. And I think communicating is one of the biggest, biggest things that you can do to start with Mm -hmm. and being honest with yourself. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us for another episode of Women Unfiltered. Until next time, remember to be true to yourselves, your authentic selves every damn day. Thank you for tuning into the Women Unfiltered podcast. Follow us on Instagram at women.unfiltered and stay up to date with new episodes and show notes at womenunfiltered.wtf. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review, and share this podcast with a friend. As always, our views and opinions expressed are our own and solely for informational and entertainment purposes and do not express those of our employers.